we want to continue our study of just that, being joyful. Whether we're in prison, uh, whether we are being persecuted, whether we're just going through a hard time. God has called us and he has given us uh, the ability to rejoice. Uh, because as we talked about last week, we do not rejoice in this world, but we rejoice in the Lord. And uh, our joy is in him. And so today we want to pick up as we are starting in chapter four of Philippians. And um, we are heading down the home stretch here. Uh, but all of these principles uh, come out of the foundation that we uh, laid in chapter one. And uh, so we're going to uh, pick up uh, the next source of our joy uh, and should be a source of our expression of our joy also um, as we look at uh, the first uh, five verses of chapter four. So let's go ahead and read all five and then we'll uh, uh, come down and break it down. Verse one says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Sintech to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. For the Lord is at hand. So what is he saying in this? The general summary is that our joy comes from one another. Um, we've been looking at different examples that he has uh, given um, uh, throughout uh, chapters two through four. And in this passage, we see this example of uh, several people in the church of Philippi. And specifically, uh, two ladies uh, known as Judea and Sintich. Um, just normal American names there. And uh, now many times uh, people think, well, uh, you know, these ladies are being rebuked um, and they need to get their acts together. And it doesn't really say that. We don't know what the issue is. But he says that um, uh, he entreats or he is um, uh, requesting that they come together in agreement. So we don't know if there was an argument or whether there was a misunderstanding or, and this is why I say we don't know if it's something, but they are just simply going two different directions. Um, and there needs to be a single direction in the church um, that they would walk together um, because it is in that unity that we are stronger and of one mind. And so he's, he, he says that I not only ask these two ladies uh, to basically get on the same page um, together so that they're going the same direction. Um, if there is 
uh, a conflict, then okay, we need to get that solved. Um, if it's not, and we're just working against each other, how many know that sometimes we just get caught up in our own life? And sometimes when we're caught up in our own life and you're caught up in your own life, we're not working together. It's not that we're doing anything wrong, but we are just, um, we are not being efficient and strong as the church should be when we are joined together. And so what Paul is saying is, I want you to come together with these ladies and we need to come back to this idea that we are stronger together than on our own. And so he asked um, uh, the person that he's writing this letter to that not only do they work together, but you would help them. And he says, along with Clement. Now, we don't know if Clement is a, uh, another lady in the church or another guy in the church. I, we don't know. Uh, but all of these people, he's saying, all of you begin to work together. Um, to create this unity uh, of purpose because in this unity is the joy of the Lord. Um, so we're going to see this, that our joy comes from working together. Um, many times we have not seen the church as our source of joy. We have seen it as something that connects us, but it's, it is just something that we are casually um, uh, connected to and not something that we are meant to be intertwined with. Our joy is meant to be rooted together. Um, in other words, Paul is saying there should not be individual joy without joy together. If there is joy in anyone's life, then it should be a joy that spreads through the whole church. Um, and yet, how many times that's not the case? We all have our own joys. Uh, and then we come together and we, we kind of encourage one another. And we, oh, that's good when we hear about it. And yet it's supposed to be deeper than that. Paul says, I entreat you to come together in agreement. Um, we've also seen in, in Romans uh, and in other uh, areas in Corinthians, in other uh, letters that Paul writes, he says that we are all like a body and we are, we are not like a, um, uh, what would be a good example? Uh, we are not like a, uh, a club where we are all part of the same thing, but we are all separate, but we are like a body where we cannot live apart from each other. If you cut an arm off the body, probably both die many times. Um, uh, definitely the arm is going to die. It's not going to exist separate. And, and yet many times we don't have that idea of the church that we cannot exist in our Christianity, in our walk with the Lord, separate from the body. We are meant to be rooted together, um, intertwined to where the joy, the life flow of our blood is together. And he makes these statements over and over. He says, when one person all weep together, in other words, we should feel together. Um, now, many times we don't do that because we don't share together. Um, we only share superficially, and especially Americans. We are very uh, uh, independent, and, and that is not – it's okay maybe in our culture, but it was never meant to be the way the body of Christ works. We are meant to open ourselves up to each other, and that takes effort. It takes time. It takes uh, – uh, 
It takes conscious choice to share our lives with one another. Um, and as we do, now remember, these are not signs of our salvation. We can be saved, but God is saying, if you want to really experience my joy, then we need to do this as a church. Yes, a church can, can exist, but it will be very weak. It will not make an impact on the world. But when we begin to be a church that flows together, that, that uh, becomes vulnerable with each other, then there is a joy that goes deeper. And when that joy goes deep, then that is what reflects to the community. They begin to see that this is more than just what other churches are, but this is something really personal and something that is substantial in their life. And that is what this world is longing for. They long for something that gives more than just a superficial uh, itch, but something that gives purpose and meaning. And so this is what Paul is saying, that, that I ask you to come together. Um, and, and he said, these, these women have labored with me in the gospel. Because it is when we find the joy of the Lord, as we come together, as we begin to live life in a deeper way together, and that means, see, here's the problem. To do that, that means sacrificing our individual uh, uh, person, personal perspectives. That means time. Um, that means efforts and direction and goals and motivations are not our own personal, but we begin to have the motive of the church. The good of the church becomes more important than the good of my life and my family. But we begin to take on that goal. And when that joy does, that produces a spread of the gospel. It says that when we work side by side, the gospel, the message of Christ goes forth in its, in its truth. Because the message of Christ is not a message of individual salvation. It is a message of communal redemption. We were not saved to be individuals. We were redeemed to be the family of God. You know that God uh, is not looking forward to a future in heaven where everyone has their own cottage in their own outskirts of their own land. But we will live together um, as a community of family uh, throughout uh, the rest of time. And so we need to begin to understand that um, as our motivation. And that is the source of the gospel. And so when we truly become unified, the gospel actually goes further. I want to look at this word, this phrase that um, we're very familiar with. And, and you've probably quoted this scripture, and that is verse four, a short verse. But what does it say? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, it's very similar to chapter three last week when we looked at that, uh, when he said rejoice in the Lord. And in that sense, we focused on that his emphasis was rejoice in the Lord, um, that our joy is in the Lord. Um, in this instant, he is emphasizing um, a, another source of rejoicing in the Lord, but that Understanding that the Lord is a God of unity. Remember, the Lord is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is, God is love. The very source and character of God is a love that is united between the Trinity, that is a constantly giving 
and receiving of love and that they find their joy in community. And so we are to rejoice in that same community. And I love this. I'll read it from um, maybe you've never uh, seen this version, but I, I kind of like it because it gives it from a different viewpoint. And this is from the um, contemporary Jewish Bible. Um, so it is from a Hebrew perspective and translation. And um, it says this uh, in verse four, it says, rejoice in union with the Lord always. And I, again, I say rejoice. I, I love this because it says rejoice in union, that there is joy in unity, that joy comes when we all rejoice in the Lord, that there is a deeper joy when we are part of a community of worship. When we do what we have done uh, earlier tonight, and we begin to worship God together. Even though we individually worship, we join together. And in our hearts, um, we acknowledge that connection with one another. And it is in that rejoicing in union that our joy goes deeper. Um, it is in the unity um, that we find joy. Um, and, and so when we begin to accept that, that my joy, how can I be joyful when I get what I want? If I know that there are those in my body um, that are suffering um, or when, when uh, I cannot share that with others, um, I, I don't want my joy to ever become um, an individual thing that I hold on to as something that I long just as long as I'm happy, then that's about, you know, I'm, I, I feel for you if you're not happy. Hey, at least I'm joyful. Our joyful should be something that we, we desire to share. It needs to overflow into the body of Christ um, so that then it becomes complete. Um, we've talked about the completion, uh, the completion of the suffering of Christ, the completion of the gift that the Philippians gave. That completion came when other people were brought into the result of that. And so we need to begin to understand that Many times the reason your joy seems empty or hollow, or even though, man, I just had the greatest experience. Why am I not happier? Why did it not last? And I'll tell you why, because we did not let it flow into the body, into the church. Was it part of the communal joy? And when, when we find joy more from community than from individual, I'm going to tell you that joy is going to be much longer lasting. It's going to be much deeper and more satisfying than anything else. It is when we are rejoicing in union in the Lord. Now, again, it's in the Lord when we rejoice, not in the world. Now, we don't just become a group of people uh, that encourage ourselves to succeed in this world, but it is still communally we rejoice in the Lord. We remember the faithfulness of God. Uh, we we we. We share together as we give testimonies of who God is. We encourage one another uh, and remind each other uh, of the uh, blessings of God. And that is our source of joy. Um, so when we read that, that phrase, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, 
his emphasis there is not, hey, you need to be thankful no matter what you're going through. His emphasis is, are you rejoicing in the body of Christ? Are you desiring to come together? Do you long to be with one another so that we can rejoice together, so that we can worship God? We need to find someone else uh, to share uh, that rejoicing, no matter what we're going through. Um, that's why when we're in the deepest pit of our life, our answer should be to go and be with the body of Christ. You know, the biggest time that people don't come to church is because, you know what, I just don't feel like I'm going through such a hard time. That's the time that you need to be with the body of Christ. The times that you don't want to, it's the enemy bringing you to that because he does not want you to connect with the body because that's where you're going to find joy. That's where you're going to get rooted into the very act of God. And so when you are struggling with the desire to come together, I'm going to tell you that's when you need to stand up against the enemy and say, no, yes, I will go and be with my family. I will find. And sometimes maybe it's not um, a church service, um, but maybe it's just calling up a fellow Christian, someone in our body. Maybe, maybe it's, it's saying, man, I need to have coffee with you. Would you come over? Will you pray with me? You see, there is joy in that. There is strength in that. That is what we need to do. Um, and, and I encourage you, well, I don't know them that well. Then we need to get to know them. What do you need to know to make some bigger connections? Maybe you came all this time and there's people that you have never connected with. We need to make an effort. Now, it's not their fault. We always want to blame other people. Well, they haven't talked to me. You know what? We are responsible for our own actions. We can never blame others. We need to take the, the initiative and say, I will, because sometimes they're the ones that, that need. You don't realize how empty they were feeling. And maybe you call them up and, and it's just something that gives them the strength to go on another day. You never know. We need to be the body of Christ and begin to find joy in that. I'm going to close by going backwards to the very first statement that Paul made in verse one. He says this. Remember last week we talked about pressing on. It takes work. you got to work for joy. It's not something that's just going to come. You have to make an initiative to press into joy. And it's the same thing with community. To build community, you've got to work on it. You can't expect other people to make it. Well, you, they, they need to welcome me. No, you press into it. You choose to do that. And so we talked about pressing on, pressing on. He says, therefore, so because we're pressing on into joy, he says, therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, you are my joy and crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord. So in other words, he makes this statement. He says, I'm pressing into the joy of the Lord. And because of that, you are my joy and my crown. Look at this. Not only is he saying that I share my joy with you and you share your joy. With he says this. You are my joy. Now, this takes it to another level. The body of Christ, the church, should be the very source of your joy. He says, you are my joy. And how does he describe my, your joy, his joy? He says, you are my crown. Um, what does it mean to be my crown? The word crown there 
is not a crown like a king. Okay, that, It's not a, a kingly crown. It is a, a crown that in the days of, of, of that time, we all know like the Olympic uh, games, they had those at that time. The Greece, Greeks were big on that. And the winner at that time got a crown. They got the laurel leaves. You, you've seen the, the branches that they would put on the winner. And when that winner wore that crown, everyone saw them. You're the winner. They're the champion. And what he is saying is, I am a champion. I am joyful as a winner because you are my crown. You are the one that is my sword, that is the reflection of my joy. Um, you show the world that I am an overcomer. Uh, today, uh, we don't get crowns when you win, but we know that they now give you gold medals that hang around your neck. Um, uh, and when you get that medal, what happens? Now, maybe today we don't have an Olympic medalist here, but, but we have people that maybe you've competed in, in just about anything. It's not just athletics. Uh, even at the fair, okay, if you have an animal and, and you do great, what do they give you? A ribbon, a medal. You wear that around uh, your neck. If you're a musician and you're in a competition, you, you get this around your neck, this, this uh, uh, award. And, and so when you get that, there is a sense of joy. Is there not? Don't you feel better? Like I have achieved something. I, I, I have joy in that. Um, there is pride, not the negative arrogance of pride, but there is pride in accomplishment that I feel uh, fulfilled, that, that, that I have done something. Um, and, and so what Paul is saying is you are that metal. You are the thing that I am proud of. But it is you walking in the Lord that gives me joy. That as you serve the Lord with me, as we are joint heirs in Christ, that is what makes me proud. That's our crown. We become winners when we are part of the body of Christ. Because in the body of Christ, we are redeemed. It is in the body of Christ uh, that we are victorious. We overcome all of our brokenness and our sins and our failures. And when you overcome your failure... That's a joy. That's my crown. Um, uh, that is something we all take joy in. We are all each crowns. And, and so that is something we need to change how we look at one another. Um, and I don't think we have done that. We all usually focus on ourselves. No, when I achieve something, I'm my crown. I am my joy. And yet God says, Paul says, we need to understand that we are each other's crowns. And so we need to begin to add to the glory of that crown. Because as I influence you and as I encourage you to run the race and as I make it possible for you to retire, even if I have to sacrifice to lift you up, when you get lifted up and God blesses you and you grow in the Lord, then I am joyful because you are my crown. When I see that God touches someone's heart. And it's not about what you accomplish in the world. Sometimes just seeing the glory of the Lord in someone else's heart, that is all I care about because you are my crown. And it's not just as a pastor. It should be for each one of us 
because we are all the source of growth in each other as a body. We need to say, you are that metal around my neck and I rejoice in you. And being with you makes me feel complete, makes me feel like I am exactly where God wants me to be because it is through that that God is glorified, that God brings the source of joy in all of us. So I want us to ask ourselves, do we see the body of Christ as the source of our joy, our pride, our crown? One another, each one of us need to see the others as the crown of our life, that God has put us together in this place to lift one another up, to push each other closer to God, to spur one another on, to be there in our hard times and to rejoice in our good times. But together is when we find the joy of the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice in unity, in finding our rootedness together. We will find the crown that God has for us. And that joy will go deep to who you are. It's only then that we can press out the darkness that the enemy wants to fill our heart with. The depression, the dissatisfaction, the, the loneliness, the emptiness. You can feel it when you begin to invest in the, in the body of Christ. When you begin to say, what can I do? For my brothers and sisters, how can I be more a part of what God is doing in this world through the church? And when you do that, you find your joy. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.